Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of the Romans Empire podcast, where, as you know, all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. So I guess the right word is flaccid to describe the international break. Real Premier League football is back and with a bang, courtesy of one Marco Yanni and Jose Mourinho, a.k.a. the salty one. Is he innocent this time? Was this two points dropped for Chelsea or one point gained? And lastly, we all speak about our favorite man crush at the moment, Mr. Rastabas Barkley. All that and much more on this week's episode. But first, we have to acknowledge the magnitude of this occasion. I don't think you guys realize how massive of a moment this is for us. As many of you know, we've added Andres to the Romans Empire crew a few weeks ago. And finally, the moment has arrived where Sam, Andres, and I are all on the same pod together. You! So, the first official... Romans Empire podcast trio. Guys, I think I, I think Jose will agree when I say that this is the only real trio that matters, right? Ooh, I like <laughs> that. The yeah, real you, kind of triple. Tri- you know, the Premier League being back is not as eventful as me being back on the podcast, in my opinion. So um let's 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 get that out there first Fact. of all. Yeah. Wow. That's a hot take right there. Um I mean, why, why, why don't we just dive into this? Because I think this is going to take forever to get through. Uh, because there's so much shit to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm um, gone for two weeks. It's it's about time we talk again. <laughs> it's been too long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's, yeah, let's jump into it. Uh, this Chelsea-Man United match. Obviously, Jose returning. Uh, Jose Mourinho versus Marco Iani. Um, obviously, the little scuffle at the end of the match. Uh, maybe some excessive celebration. From Miani's uh, side, but uh, I'm gonna read this quote from Sorry real quick. He says, "I didn't see anything on the pitch after the match. I spoke with Josie immediately. I understood that we were wrong. Then I then spoke with a member of my staff and brought him to Mourinho to say sorry. I think it's finished. So, who was in the wrong, Zach? And uh, how do we feel about Josie?" At first, I, I was thinking to myself, like, that was kind of unnecessary in terms of the celebration. But then I thought about me being a coach myself and how much emotion comes into play when you score a last-minute, you know, goal to seal a point. Um, but I, I, I just want to say something about the way Chelsea handled this, like, as a, as a football club. I thought Maurizio Sarri handled this really, really well. I mean, right away... He went up to Mourinho immediately after the match, apologized. It was obvious that he was trying to apologize. And then apparently he uh, he brought Marco Yanni to his office um, after he walked down the tunnel. And uh, he had to apologize to Mourinho's face. And Mourinho, you know, accepted the apology. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, who's in the wrong? Look, Jose had this coming, man. I, I, I hate all the people that are going out there and saying, oh, Jose's innocent this time. He's not innocent. He, he's talking shit about the atmosphere at the bridge earlier in the week. And he, you know, all the crap that he talked about Antonio Conte last week, uh, last season, you know, just it just got to the point where you know this guy can never be innocent again because he's done something to wrong every single club that he's played against. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't think that's far fetched at all. I mean, I'm curious to see what Andres thinks about it. Yeah, I mean, has Mourinho ever been been innocent? I think, you know, when he's on your side, you you overlook it. You're like, oh, this is Mourinho doing his thing. This is good for us. And and you take it as a good thing. But I'm I'm never surprised anymore with the things that he says. He he even said that they were the better side after the match. Like, really? Come on now. <laughs> Numbers speak for themselves. 60% possession, like 20 shots to six, whatever. The point I'm trying to get at, though, is unsportsmanlike conduct and over-celebration is kind of part of the game. You know, I mean, Conte freaking hang, hung from dugouts and ran down pitches and nobody ever said things about that. I think the big issue was that Yanni got like made eye contact and really made it personal with Jose. And apparently his fist got really, really close when he was pumping to almost hitting him. <laughs> oh, so I kind of mm, guess that that's apparently <laughs> what really triggered Jose. And hey, you know, if somebody comes straight at me and I was the defender and they score on me and they're like, ha ha ha. You suck. Like, I get pissed too. So, like, I get it. I honestly don't think he should have been fined for it. Like, dude, people celebrate all the time. Like, it's part of the game. Mm-hmm. Now, fuck off, Mourinho was chanted in in the game. Like, eh, would I have taken part of that chant in the moment? I am highly no. doubt it. I, I, yeah, we, no we, deflated, so we deflated United's little two-goal 
like what is that the most they've scored in the last five games like they scored two goals and then we came back and we shut them down like it's mm-hmm. done like we 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 left it on the pitch we tied the game and, and we earned back a point so um i think it got over the Mourinho yanni thing got overplayed like i said i don't think yanni should have been fine and honestly like i think it takes away from the fact that this was a pretty good game yeah, oh, yeah. I'll, just I'll, Sorry, I just, I just want to add real quick, uh, and then just in response to the fuck off Mourinho, Mourinho, you know, walked off holding up three fingers, indicating the amount of years he spends at each club. You know, <laughs> were you guys were you guys offended by that, or was he just degrading himself? I mean, look, I okay. Think, you can go the, ahead, Zach. This is the thing. Like, I, I, I was... I was mad about the way he reacted to Marco Yanni. But at the same time, there's a certain sense of understanding. But going back to what Andres said, I mean, this is a game of passion, right? If you take the passion out of soccer, I mean, are we really going to watch? Um, but <laughs> in terms of the fuck off Mourinho chance, uh, no, I, there's no way I would have partook in that. I think that I think that's sinking really low. I think that's uh, that's something that's classless. I think it's disgusting. Um, I don't think it's necessary either. Look, we we got the game tying goal. We completely deflated the other team. There's just no reason to uh to 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 chant fuck off Mourinho as as the game's ending. I think like, in, look, the, I, in the heat of a moment, you don't really don't think that it it would have just overcome you the fact that we just last minute drew against our former manager who has been has has in the past talk shit about you know chelsea calling calling stanford bridge the library you know like don't you like don't you think your emotion would get the best of you i feel like i I, I like looking now like looking back i'd be like i probably wouldn't join in but i feel like if in the moment just after that the emotion i would i would just say fuck off Mourinho without really meaning it but saying it you know how like whenever your parents instead of saying they're angry they're disappointed i feel like (laughs) the the right like reaction in my head and something that would have been even more of a slap to the face to Mourinho, who has a huge ego, is would have been like chanting about the team or sorry himself, where it's like, oh, crap, they've moved on. Like if we keep saying his name, that's only going to add fuel to his fire and he exactly. wins at the end of it. That's true. And yeah, now in terms true. of the the three fingers thing, like uh, I'm going to actually uh, quote what the guys in the London Blue podcast, London is Blue podcast said, it's. At the end of the day, those three titles were won by the Chelsea Football Club. It just happens that Mourinho was the manager. Um, knowing our club's culture, every manager that comes wins the league, buddy. At the end of the day, other managers have won too. Right. You just got two shots at it. So you know, I, I forget who it was, but I saw someone on Twitter <clears throat> mention that uh, interesting. It was an interesting hot take because oftentimes, I mean, Jose's synonymous with being the most successful manager that we've ever had. I don't think that's a question. Mm-hmm. I think I think he is. But someone mentioned that Ancelotti won the double. So doesn't that make Ancelotti a little bit more accomplished Ooh. than Jose at Chelsea? And I think that's an interesting argument. I disagree with it. But look, I mean, Jose, Jose putting up those three fingers, I, that part I wasn't mad about because – Although he was the coach, it was it, it's not a matter of him just happening to be here. I mean, he was he changed the culture of the football club. He came in, we purchased you know a, a few experienced names: Michael Ballack, Michael Essien. Um, you know, we brought in uh, Ricardo Carvalho, guys like that that just came into the club, completely transformed the game. Jose was the cornerstone of that team. I mean, he, he built that spine from scratch, and you know th- to. To, 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 to chant fuck off to him, I understand his frustration, and I don't blame him for putting the three fingers up. But at the same time, I mean, in my head, we're all really thinking fuck off Jose, right? Mm-hmm. The second he got off that bench and 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 went at Marco Yanni, I was like, oh, fuck off with that. Like, like get the fuck out of here. Yeah. This, is a, this is a soccer game, man. And look, it, it just – I think it was. I think there, I think there's wrong done on both sides. But at the same time, I understand why both sides did what they did. It could have turned into a, a like a Habib McGregor situation real quick. <laughs> that's, that's honestly the what came I, out quick. Yeah, that's honestly what it reminded me of. Uh, but let, let's let's stop talking about this drama off the pitch. Let's talk about what happened on the pitch. Um, just the, the match in general. Um, Andreas, I'm gonna ask you first. You know, obviously we we equalized the game really late. Do you feel that this this result was a point one for Chelsea or two points dropped? Um, I think this game was a tale of two halves. At the end of 45, I would be like, yeah, we need to win this game. At the end of 90, I think we should be happy to have come out with that point. 
uh, we kind of just played into Mourinho's hands. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I think it was a, a point earned, not two points dropped. I know they interviewed uh, Antonio Rudiger right after the game um, and Ross Barkley, and, and, and Rudy said that, you know, like it's it's obviously a good result considering that our that our backs were against the wall for, you know, 20 or so odd minutes of the second half. Um, I'm, I'm going to disagree. I think uh, I think we got it wrong in this game. I think tactically in the first half, uh, we were good. We were decent. But the fact that we didn't have a striker uh, took the wind out of our sails completely. Um, but going into that second half, I mean, it was just a masterclass on Mourinho's part. Um, I, I know we're going to talk about his tactics in a little bit, but but the man marking job he did on Jorginho completely negated him from playing as quickly as he's used to. Uh, Eden Hazard was basically kicked out of the game by mm-hmm. Ashley Young. Um, and, and then, you know, something that, you know, nobody really talks about um, was was the work rate of Martial and Rashford, you know, pinning our 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 uh, outside backs um, and keeping them in their own half. I mean, Alonso and Dave very rarely got forward. Um, I, I can't remember a time where Marcus Alonso was even a threat in that game. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's it, it, it completely a, a game of two halves. But at the same time, I just think that. Uh, I, I thought that Mourinho had the tactics spot on, and I mean, they went two one up. They should have won that game. I, I think it's more of a Man United lost it than Chelsea fought back and won and and uh, got the point. I know, I know, it's going to be very unfavorable among our Twitter followers, but fuck it. I mean, that, that's <laughs> genuinely how I feel. Zach, you brought up that uh, Rudiger interview. Just a side point. Uh, he has, a, I think, his English is is surprisingly really good. I mean, yeah. coming from him, and then. Right after, I, I was listening to the Ross Barkley interview, and like he's got that strong Liverpool accent, and I was like, "Wow, I, I can't believe that I can like understand what Rudiger's saying more than what Ross Barkley was saying." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was just, just a side point, honestly. But uh, you know, I never realized how soft-spoken Ross Barkley is. Yeah. He's just very, he's very timid. He's very to himself. He just kind of puts his head down and works, doesn't he? Yeah. I, I really think that's been part of his growth, honestly, because he was this hotshot kid from Liverpool playing at Everton and all this was on him. And I can still remember that goal where he was celebrating before he scored it. I just think he's done a lot of growth. And and I think in a weird way, that injury kind of showed him, you know, how uh, short a career can be if you don't just kind of focus on it. So yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to see how much he's grown as a professional on that end. Mm-hmm. But uh, to go back a little bit more to the game, there's, Yes, we had to come back and and United could have easily walked out of this game with three points. But think about that situation last year or even the season before that. When you go down a goal, like we haven't had that fight on this side in a while. And I think that's a huge thing to credit the team to where like, you know, our backs were against the wall and we still got something out of it. Like Mm -hmm. last year, I would have said, oh, two, one with 30 minutes left game over. Like we're not going to score. The other team's going to park the bus and that's it. Like. No, we weren't super pretty on those last 30 minutes, but we were doing everything. The ball was being peppered into the box. Like, I, I felt like Giroud obviously brought something off the bench. Pedro, not so much. But, I mean, David Luiz and Rudiger, like, both being animals in the box. Like, I, I, I really do think that that's something that we can't applaud the side for, even though it's their own fault to getting a goal down. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get, I get that. In terms of team morale, this is huge. Um Just the fact that we came back and got something from this game, considering that we didn't particularly play well. But at the same time, I just think, I mean, a part of me thinks that Sarri kind of got it wrong with his team selection a bit. uh, Morata shouldn't have been on the pitch at all. Mm -hmm. And I know we're going to talk about it soon, but I mean, I might as well just jump right into it. We had a Twitter poll earlier this week. I asked, you know, should Ali Giroud get the start or Morata? 59% of the vote said Ali. Um, That's too low. It's, in my opinion, it's, yeah, it, it <laughs> is too low. I mean, at at Blues twenty two, Chels asked us actually on on Twitter earlier today. He said, "You guys think Drew needs to play the majority of these games, like I do, with Murata as his backup? Do you think there will be a striker available in January better than what we already have?" So, Andres, I mean, you're uh you're pretty well versed on this, so uh, I'm gonna let you have this one. Yeah. So the first thing I want to point at that could have saved us from the 97th or I guess 95th, almost 96th minute goal was minute 47 of the game. Morata had a turn to his left foot where he could have any other decent to average striker puts that away. Like Giroud is left foot. It's obviously he would have put that away, but like Diego Costa, like 
anyone in the top six of the of the Premier League would have slotted that away. He he received the ball with his back to goal, moved it to his left. And there was nobody between him and De Gea, and it was just like this super wussy shot straight to De Gea. Like that could have been it. We could have been up two nil. Mourinho could have been brought in the Fellaini style tactics, and we would have just eaten them alive. So the fact that we're still here at a point where we don't have a person who can just score us like 15 goals a season is ridiculous. Now, um, for January, I'm not exactly sure who we can get. I mean, in a perfect world, maybe Inter doesn't qualify for the next round of the Champions League. And, you know, that might be the last straw that makes Icardi consider his future. And we can kind of be the hot commodity going into next year's Champions League that he joins. That would be fantastic. Um, that's a dream another, scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I guess like people have been kind of conspiracy theory kind of bring that up is that perhaps we're looking more into Pedro becoming a false nine and mm-hmm. which I would say, let's bring in a right winger. Um, as of right now, I still don't think William is the solution. I would love it to, for it to somehow be Hudson Adoy, but there is another hazard out there who is a fantastic player a lot more direct than William and has the numbers. I am pretty sure he's got something mm. like uh, eight, eight goals and four assists so far this year. Something like that, yeah. And he's an international too. Like, yes, Eden Hazard is top five, top three in the world, but that doesn't mean that Thorgan is not a good player. Like, I'm not asking for like a top three talent to play at right wing. I'm just asking for someone that can do the job and play second fiddle to Hazard. And sadly, William and Pedro are not those guys. Like, Pedro is overperforming to his ability right now, but we need someone over there. Like, right wing is still a huge issue along with striker. I mean, I, I just don't, I just don't think Thorgan Hazard would be the answer, only because uh, Munchen Gladbach has had a good start to the season. They're actually, uh, I think they're second in the table right now um, in Germany. So I don't think there's any way that they're going to get rid of. Uh, their main creative force. But in terms of January, there, there's no one available in January. I mean, none of the big clubs are going to be willing to sell, and all the good strikers are on decent teams already. Um, I think if we do go after someone in January, it's going to have to be someone within the league, within the Premier League, similar to what we did last season where we bought Giroud off Arsenal, just wasn't getting any game time. We got a good deal for him. Um, I don't think it's Mitrovic. Fulham has uh Fulham's in big trouble and right now he's the only thing <laughs> yeah. he's the mm-hmm. only good thing at that football club. So I mean I'm looking at the rest of the Premier League, all those other strikers are pretty much locked on. All the other ones are a little bit older or just won't suit sorry ball like the Jamie Vardy's of the world. I know uh Callum Wilson has been a name that's been thrown around. Uh not not Chelsea quality, honestly. I mean it, it's just gonna be much of the same. We're it's it's gonna be another guy who's a decent footballer that we bring in that we expect to bang in fifteen goals a season and he's gonna give us eight or nine and we're all gonna be disappointed and the cycle repeats itself. But, Look, it's the solution has to be within the squad and it's up to sorry to figure it out. I I, comp- I, I love the idea of Pedro playing at the false nine, but again, William's not the answer on the right. Um so I'm, yeah, I'm I think, curious, I think, sorry, I don't I'm gonna cut you off, but I'm curious what yeah. you'd be looking for like in a right winger because I do I do love William but I think that um, he holds up play a little bit too much in in Sarri's system you know he doesn't get rid of the ball fast enough um, yeah so I mean like what 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 kind of strike and sorry what kind of winger are you guys thinking I, about well it all hinges on Eden Hazard doesn't it if he signs that contract extension or not if he doesn't sign that contract extension by January I think we should go out and look for a right winger in the mold of Eden Hazard someone very similar that's going to be great with the ball at their feet that loves to cut inside and have a pop at goal um, someone that's going to be able to put the team on their back and basically be a match winner if we re-sign Eden Hazard I mean you're looking at someone that's going to be playing off the ball uh, someone that's going to be looking to get in behind Mm-hmm. Um, because if Pedro is playing the false nine, he's not going to be playing higher up the pitch. He's going to be looking to play more in between the lines. Um, so we have to offset that somehow by getting a right winger that's going to be able to run past defenses and in behind the back line. So it's it, it all it all really hinges on Eden Hazard. I mean that's that's basically what it comes down to. If he resigns, then it'll give us a lot more uh, clear of an idea in terms of what type of right winger we go for, more of a goal scorer. But if he leaves, obviously we got to go after someone that's going to be a playmaker. Yeah, I think I think another name that comes to mind for me at right wing is Bertrand Traore at Lyon. I mean, he was a Chelsea player before. Like that guy is a lot more direct, can play on the striker role as well. He's left-footed, so cutting inside to have a person overlap to him 
not only opens up that space for the overlapping right back, but he also opens himself up for a shot, which we all know Willian only goes to his right. So um, to me, the right wing position, preferably a left-footed player, and I and I want a direct player at this point. Um, I I kind of tweeted this earlier that you know people are saying like you know I hate when when pl- people say oh this forward's just scoring tap-ins. Well, earlier this in this game actually there was a play where Hazard dribbles two guys, gets to the end line, drives the ball across the six, and nobody was there. Yeah. Morata was at the penalty spot and William wasn't even inside the box. Like yeah. if we can just get someone who thinks they're going to score every time they come in the field, that's what we need at this point because the playmaking, we've got it. If you if we have think about it this way, you have Hazard who is unselfish to begin with and draws the attention of two to three players. If we can have a striker or a right winger who just knows where to be and just thinks the ball's going to get to him every time, that that's that's what we're missing. Like Hazard isn't going to be able to score 40 goals if everyone knows that he's the only person that's going to score. Andre, so, look at the, uh, the I, perfect example would be like what Tony Martial did this past weekend. I mean, he gets in the mixer. He gets in the middle of the he, – he gets right in front of goal and, and, and expects the ball to come to his feet. He anticipates – where that deflection is going to go or where that next pass is going to be. And we don't have, like, we don't even have that within our strikers. And that's just, it's fucking embarrassing. Are, are we changing our honest. minds? Then are you, are we changing our minds on, uh, not being for the Willian, uh, for Martial swap that was rumored earlier? Oh, oh I'm I was so, all for it from day one. Martial <laughs> is still my number one, one choice. <laughs> he, he is still my, my number one choice to play as our striker, to be completely honest. Like, I think Martial is, is, that's the kind of mold of forward we need. He's not as like slim and, and small as Pedro, so he is, and he's already used to the Premier League. He got signed to be a striker, and again, Great his best touch. his his best season was under Van Gaal. Was even more defensive than Mourinho while playing at striker. Like the dude he can, would, he like would make runs. Like the other thing that pissed me off about Morata is that he was running parallel to Hazard a lot this week. When like I feel like Martial who has played on the wing has played as a striker will move into those spaces that will only open up his other teammates like a run to the corner once in a while from a forward is needed to help the winger either get that pass through or just dribble towards the middle like that mobility is missing and in this sorry system we need a fluid front three regardless of whether we're playing a, a false nine or not so yeah I mean Martial today I mean this weekend he proved that he can score when on his like whenever he's getting the ball in those dangerous areas I'm still waiting for one of the forwards at Chelsea to do the same thing yeah, I mean, he, he, case in point, just look at the two finishes Martial had. Top, I mean, that, that that's that's basically top banana, isn't it? I mean, the first mm-hmm. one pings over to him, basically pinballs to him, smashes it into the side netting. That second goal was ridiculous. By the way, some people talking about Kepa saying that he could have done better on that. I'm sorry. No goalkeeper Nothing. in the world is stopping that second goal. I mean, nope. he, he, he tucked that thing in the bed. Turned off the lights and closed the door. Like there, there's no way, there's no way he's gonna do anything to stop that. But yeah, I mean, he, it, it's just crazy to me because my whole life and and or at least my whole life while supporting Chelsea or since I started supporting Chelsea, I mean, we've always had elite strikers, whether it was Drogba or Diego Costa, right? Um, obviously, Fernando Torres is not elite, but. He gave us something, and I mentioned it a few weeks ago. Fernando Torres gave us something when he was not scoring. I mean, he gave us that work rate. Defensively, he was great. Uh, he still had pace. He, he got in behind defenses. He made something happen. He caused some kind of havoc. And, I mean, what do we really have with Murata? You know, I mean, I, I remember one play sticks out specifically where it was Hazard was playing out on the left, received the ball, cut inside, laid it off to Murata. Murata put it on his right foot and must have scuffed it to the corner flag. And just if if you're a striker, how many times do you work on that shot exactly? Putting the ball on your strong foot, just quick one step, have a pop from outside. I mean, that's that that's that's striker 101, isn't it? And I and mean, th- Andreas, that is like I think that play that Andreas was talking about, um, the the cross that Hazard Hazard made in, and like obviously might have been the same one. Yeah, and that that I think was the moment, and you know that's funny because I I felt I I really saw a change in Hazard's play after that after that because mm-hmm. I think he kind of realized that he can't play through Murata anymore because that's not great. It's, point, it's not yeah. going to have a end result, you know. So he he really did change his play style, and I thought that 
he he did have a poor match, probably his worst of the season, but and I but I can't really blame him for that. You know what I mean? Hazard needs a complimentary striker. He cannot do it on his own. As great as he is, mm-hmm. as much talent as he has, I know it's a bold statement, but he cannot do it on his own. And that's what he did. Every he time, tried. yeah, he tried and he and it didn't work because Williams not doing anything on the opposite flank. We weren't getting much from our midfield all match, even when Ross Barkley did come in. I mean, we still weren't getting that much from our midfield. And, and and our wing backs were pinged back. So basically Hazard was picking up the ball, trying to dribble two or three players and make things happen, and it just wasn't working. He needs someone that he could play off of. And the second Giroud came into the game, we immediately saw some sort of link-up play. And, I mean, random question, but I might as well ask it because I'm curious to see what you guys think. I mean, Sam, you already alluded to it, but Andres, do you do you think Hazard even trusts Morata at this point? Because I kind of noticed it too as the game was going on. He was just kind of like, fuck this guy, I'm going to do it on my own. Yeah, I think that's already that's going to be an issue. I mean, you have it came out this week and Rude Gullet said it too. He said that Hazard and William just are not going to pass it to Murata anymore, and that's that that the blame goes to both Hazard, William, and to Murata on this end. Them for not trusting their teammate and and their teammate for putting them in that position. So, I think that is going to become an issue. Um, what I was going to say, touching back on on Hazard not being able to do it himself. Every single top player that has a breakout season has a sidekick that's par, like on par with them. So mm-hmm. Messi has Suarez. Uh, Ronaldo at Madrid had Benzema doing the heavy lifting to make him look good. Hell, before Suarez, Messi had David Villa, um, Henri and Bergkamp, Drogba had Anelka. Like the list goes on and on. Like you never. It's a team game at the end of the day. And even if you have this world-class, like, once-in-a-generation talent, they had somebody beside them that allowed them to get to 40 goals, to get to 20 assists. Like, the, Hazard is is not going to be able to have the numbers we know he can have if everyone's just going to put three players on him, fully knowing that leaving Morata open, or even Willian, for that matter, isn't going to produce a goal. Yeah, if Willian's not providing anything on the opposite flank and Murata's not going to do shit up top, it doesn't make sense to overload either of them. So now that leaves a four-man back line, two of those guys could be firmly committed to Hazard. And that's not even talking about what they're doing in terms of their midfield. It's just – it's ridiculous. I, it, we, we really need another solution. And now that Hazard's injured, I think this makes things really interesting now because there is absolutely no way Maurizio Sarri chooses Victor Moses. Does he? God, he better not. He Moses Moses is even lead literally worse than William when it comes to decision making in the final third. Like mm-hmm. that will be the biggest downgrade at this point. Like Pedro at this point, Pedro should be fully healthy again. So I don't want to see William in big games starting over Pedro again. Like mm-hmm. at all. I, I don't want to see that unless we're playing on a false nine. Like that that's a whole thing. Like every time and, and this might be just my personal preference, but Going back to even um, pre, sorry, I'm going back to like 20, uh, Mourinho's second season on his mm-hmm. second stint when we had Sherla and William. Mm-hmm. I even preferred it when we had Sherla on the right side. I loved Sherla. Yeah. Just yeah. because and De Bruyne. he brought, it's again, it's a different factor when, when you have a direct player. Like, you know that guy's going to make the run in behind or he's going to take the shot or, or you know, it adds a different, vers- it, it adds versatility to your side. When you have William and, and Hazard at the same time, they both go get the ball and they try to dribble into into a play. So, again, having that player like Pedro making that run in behind, like, why not try Hudson Odoi at this point? The kid's not going to demand the ball the way he did it with the youth. We mm-hmm. know he can finish. He's got the pace. Yes, he's going to have to learn to, to, to adjust to the physicality. But if Hazard's already injured, I don't want to see Moses anymore. We're approaching January. We can start just letting Moses trickle into a new team like we need to start thinking about something that's going to be a solution long term rather than putting a band-aid over over our problems yeah, so, i think that's I, I think you're spot on i mean you have a guy like pedro's going to stretch defenses like you said but it's it's going to allow the it's going to allow the half spaces to open up in between the defense and the midfield right and that's where hazard's i mean that that's where hazard makes his money it, it, when we have william and he just cuts inside and the fact that Willian's also playing on the right, which isn't even his best position, um, that hurts us too because Willian loves to play on his right foot, you know. So 
when he does cut inside, he's creating these terrible angles to create things because he doesn't like to use his left. Whereas I think Pedro's a little bit more ambidextrous with his feet. You know, he he, he could play with both feet. And I think I think he also has a better first touch, if we're going to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, Williams' touch sometimes is a little bit heavy, but he, you know, he gets the ball, he takes two or three touches, and he passes it sideways or passes it backwards. And it's just frustrating because that's a guy, that's another guy that has the ability to beat any defender 1v1 in the Premier League, but he just doesn't opt to do it. I saw something today on Twitter that said, Williams 30 years old, and he has 12 years in senior football and hasn't even scored 50 club goals, which is concerning, to say the least. Yeah, I saw that one as well, and I saw the other one that said that after this weekend, Martial, who has three seasons in the Premier League, already has more Premier League goals than William, who's had six. Eesh. Guys, yeah. I, I love where this conversation's going, but we got to wrap up this, uh, this match uh, recap. Uh, let's get back let's into it. it. Um, I want to talk real quickly about Mourinho's tactics. You know, we all know that Josie is a specialist when it comes to you know preventing the, the opposing players to execute their game plans. Uh, let's talk specifically about um, a couple different players, um, whether he did the same with us. So uh, we'll start off with Jorginho because he had a great first half. But he was just man marked out of the match after uh, second half adjustments. Um, mm-hmm. What do you, what, Zach? What do you, what do you, what do you have to say about that? I mean, it was blatantly obvious that Mourinho had Matic out there uh, in order to keep Jorginho facing his own goal. Um, Jorginho was very rarely able to turn with the ball at his feet and 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 actually face the opposition goal. He most of the time he was facing his own goal passing it backwards and sideways in that second half. The first half, I mean he was pulling the strings, he was being himself. I mean just the first half was phenomenal. I I really don't have any complaints on his part, but that second half, we have to find a solution because teams are teams are slowly starting to figure this out. I mean, this is not the first time we've seen Jorginho essentially marked out of a game or marked out of a half. Um when that does happen, who's going to be that guy that steps up? That's where my concern is because we know N'Golo Conte is a great defensive player, but there's still a lot to be desired on on the offensive part of the ball. Um, and and in terms of his distribution, yeah, he's great, but he's not Jorginho, and he's not playing in that same position. So if Jorginho is getting man-marked out of the match, wouldn't it make more sense to possibly drop N'Golo Conte back to Jorginho's position, maybe push Jorginho a little bit higher up the pitch? That way we could force Matic or whoever is man-marking to sit a little bit further back and create more space in that midfield for for uh, for Conte and whatever other midfielder is, whether it's Barkley or Kovacic, to kind of be free and, and be their creative selves. There has to be some sort of solution, and right now from sorry, I'm not really seeing it. It seems like, okay, well, we're going to throw this team out there. Jorginho's going to play at the base no matter what, and whatever happens, happens. I just need to see some sort of creativity or some sort of adjustment that's going to give Jorginho that little bit more freedom to, uh, to 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 control the tempo of the game. Because in the second half, we just had zero control of that tempo for what twenty or thirty minutes. You know, it's uh, it, it's kind of concerning. I'm I'm curious to see what Sari does to uh, to counter that in the future. Um, so, so what I think happened there is we conceded a goal early in the second half, and at that point, Mourinho just changed the tactic to not let Chelsea do anything. And that meant sacrificing a player to be on Jorginho. And then as soon as Hazard got the ball, put three players on him and just kick him just straight up. Like he's done every single time we've played Mm -hmm. since he joined man United. And uh, the one thing that you mentioned, Zach, like changing the tactic, I think once Barkley came on, it, it was more of a four, two, three, one where Conte was alongside Jorginho and it gave, the ball to Barkley. It was like, let's get the ball to Barkley in the middle space because people were so focused to close down uh, Jorginho that then Barkley had more space to operate in the middle of the field. So I did see that. But again, those substitutions made their mark a lot later on in the game just because after that first goal, United's players were on a high and and those guys were going to run until their legs gave out at that point. So uh, I think just that early second half goal really just played into Mourinho's hands and and we all know what happens when Mourinho just gets a goal and, and can be satisfied with the result. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I see. I think we'll we'll probably see a lot more of that shift to a 4-2-3-1 should Jorginho get marked out of a game and teams try to press higher up the pitch just to put Conte in a position to kind of be the, the break in case of a fire kind of solution. Uh, but, I mean, 
Kovacic can break defenses. I just think in this game, again, after that goal, we needed to just be a little more direct. And, and when Barkley came on, the 4-2-3-1 also made its its way in. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that early goal really just played into Mourinho. Had that had that first goal came in the 70th minute, I think it would have been different. But it came in the 50th or something like that. So, yeah, uh, Mourinho, Mourinho got what he wanted with a response. And then at that point, the game was his to to lose. Yeah, and no, I, have, I, I, I go for it. So yeah, I was just, just going to say, you know, we're running, we're running short on time. There's just three other players. I was going to ask about them individually. I'll just bunch them up, and you guys can discuss however you like. Um, just Eden Hazard, Dave, and uh, Marcos Alonso. All three of them uh, were really shut down by things that Josie said. Um, Zach, you can start off. You can talk about whatever you like out of those three. I mean, I, I talked about it a little bit earlier. Martial and Rashford, uh, they prevented Alonso and Dave from from pushing up the pitch and 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 being a creative outlet because, you know, obvi- it's it's no secret that our left hand side is our is our strong point and that's our main uh, point of attack. But with without Marcus Alonso making those runs, those those inverted diagonal runs into the box that just confused the hell out of defenses, uh, he didn't really do much of that this game um, because you know th- there was. One, there was a threat that Marcus Rashford posed on the counter with his pace. And two, Marcus Rashford's work rate in man-marking Alonso was ridiculous. Um, I've never seen Martial and Rashford work that hard in a match before. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it even got to the point where Mourinho ran out onto the field and patted Martial on the back. Um, in, I think it was like midway through the second half. That was the thing that stood out to me. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, I don't really see how we how we adapt our system to allow Alonzo or Dave to have a little bit more freedom. The only thing I could really think of is maybe overloading that left-hand side. That way it forces, you know, uh, it might force a mismatch here and there. But at the same time, Reno could just throw another midfielder onto that left-hand side and, and problem solved. So, I mean, that was the thing that stood out to me. Uh, Andres, I mean, what, what did you see in terms of Hazard? I mean, you talked about it a little bit earlier. He got kicked out of the game. But tactically, uh, there was a little bit more to it, wasn't there? Yeah, anytime that he got the ball to feet on a wide area, there would be the initial pressure from the right back, and instantly you saw two men covering right behind him. So United already knew he was going to get past the first guy, and they already knew a second guy wasn't going to be enough either. So, yeah, we go back to the whole thing where, oh, maybe that allowed more space for Murata or anything like that. Teams are willing to do that. Um, I think, I, I do think referees need to do a little bit better job when it comes to this kind of thing. When you know a player is being targeted, mm-hmm. I think that that kind of part of the game needs to be a little bit controlled, but yeah, I mean, if you know, this is happening, if we had the right people at the striker and right wing position, you could set this up by get the ball to hazard, get it back into midfield and quickly switch it over to the other side where you have the numbers. But sadly, uh, we, we don't have that yet. Yeah, I noticed I noticed Ashley Young would be the one with the initial pressure and then you'd see whatever midfielder it was uh pop out and and block off the the cut inside for Hazard, right? But then he also mm-hmm. had Lindelof or Smalling, whichever center back it was. They were dropping off into that space in case Ashley Young got beat down to byline. Right. Now, if you're Murata and if you're if you have any sort of footballing IQ whatsoever, that's a bunch of green grass to run into right across the face of goal. And I mean, it all comes back to him, doesn't it? We yeah. somehow, some way we got balls into the box out of the left-hand side. We worked for it. We, you know, we created a little bit of space at separation, got the ball into the box and there's just nobody there. Um, something funny I want to mention. I usually don't uh, like to talk, like to talk up Kyle Martino because I think most of the things he says are, uh, lame and uh lazy to say the least but he said something interesting at halftime he said every good thing chelsea puts together gets broken down by Murata. <laughs> and that stuck with me man uh-huh. i think that was the most logical thing that man has ever said uh-huh. in his whole time covering the uh, premier league mornings but anyways uh yeah i mean can i, can I make a bold take Murata. can i make a bold yeah. take go for it i think another um primary uh, goal for this upcoming transfer window is we got to look for a new right back because I think Dave after last season really 
commanding the respect from all of England as one of the top defenders in the Premier League. He's I think he's really regressed this year, and I think it has to do with his you know his his shift to the right side again. But man, I, the the Dave that I loved from before, he's really been disappointing me this year. I, I feel like someone asked a question look. about that on Twitter. Oh really? Is, it on is that is yeah? That, oh, is that later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, I mean, let, let, okay. let's shout him out right yeah. now. Okay. It's yeah. Under, uh, well, yeah. Okay. You guys, let let's let's finish up this. Let's just go through Ross Barkley, because we'll, we'll we skip, gotta talk about. Yeah, Ross. we'll skip the David Luiz part. Of course, Sam wants to talk. I want to get Barkley. into Ross, the boss, the super sub. Not didn't necessarily have the greatest performance before his goal, but delivered on what I promised for all of you guys. Uh, Ross Barkley <laughs> will score goals for us when we need it the most, and he did. He came through uh, on my promise, Zach. I I, I have I, a very yeah, very hot take. I know, yeah, your take was hotter than mine. Apparently, someone asked the question. What what's your hot take uh, on Ross Barkley? Ross Barkley should start over Mateo Kovacic oh, as of right now, Andres, at this point in time. Look, hurt? as long as as long as we're not getting goals from our strikers, we need goals from somewhere else. And now mm-hmm. that Hazard's out. Where the fuck are they going to come from? We can't rely on Rudiger <laughs> to uh to get to get on the end of every single header that 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 that, that we create on set pieces. Wow. Look, Kovacic is Kovacic is great. I know Andres isn't going to like what I'm going to say, but so Kovacic is great. Back. I love you so much. But, but <laughs> right his, Kovacic's quality is basically nullified because there's no striker to supply to supply service to. Kovacic thrives on having a target man, somebody that he can create for, someone that he could create space for. And right now we don't have that. So what else does Kovacic really offer besides, you know, ball movement and quick passing in that midfield? There's nothing else really going forward. Ross Barkley has proven his distributions good enough as well as his final product. He's more in form, um, you know, and, 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 and sorry should look to run out this little vein of confidence that he has until it basically dries up. I mean, we should suck the man dry for, uh, uh well, th- that, that kind of sounded odd. But, that's, that's something that you know, I would say. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something <laughs> Sam would say about Ross Barkley. But look, I mean, we, we, we basically should run him to the ground basically and just ride out this run of confidence that he has because teams don't know how to defend him because he's capable of hurting them in multiple ways I mean, we all know he could run with the ball and push forward he can create a killer pass like he did with england uh over the international break by the way he had a great international break he could chip in with goals inside the box and outside the box and he also gets on the end of set pieces he creates things from nothing and that's something we don't have from our midfield so without eden hazard we need goals from somewhere else I don't know where it's going to come from. Right now, Ross Barkley seems like the kind of guy that's going to give us something, something, anything that'll help us, especially heading into Burnley. I mean, man, Turf Moor is a Turf Moor is a, a rough place to go play at, and it's been a bogey, uh, a, a bogey pitch for us recently. So, Ross Barkley's English, he gets it. Throw him in. Let him start against Burnley. Let him ride it out. All right, Andreas, let's hear it. <sighs> All right. <laughs> so here we go. We <laughs> make your case. I agree <laughs> that Ross Barkley is going to give you those runs into the box and he's going to do that. Like I mentioned to you guys before we start recording, if Kovacic is in in the 95th minute, he's not in that position to score. Just simple mm-hmm. as that. I think Kovacic is still the better player. I still think for games where where teams are going to come at us as much as we're going to come to them, so meaning – um, your top four outside of United, I think for I think Barkley suits a little bit more United because they're going to park the bus. But if we're playing Tottenham, City, Liverpool, or uh, Arsenal, those teams are going to be coming at us a lot in a more fluid, more attacking style. And I think the one thing that Barkley really does lack is uh, his defensive ability on the uh, in the system still, as well as keeping the possession under high pressure. So I think mm-hmm. those are the cases where you strictly need to start with Kovacic. Uh, but does that, but, but does that come with come with more game time and more familiarity with the system? Because he is getting better every time he gets on the pitch. Right. I just I think like for example, if you tell me the season ends, Kovacic goes back to Madrid, and that spot is is up for the taking. I say yes, give it to Barkley right immediately now. Mm-hmm. Um, before January even rolls around, we still have Tottenham and City. I still think in those two games you have to play Kovacic. Um, I do understand your point where like you and I agree Kovacic is great when he know when he can give it to a, he can get you that pass that's going to get somebody into the box 
And if it's not going to go to Hazard, is it going to go in the back of the net right now? We don't. We can't assure that to him. So uh, that part I do agree upon. I know Kovacic mentioned he wants to score more goals, but words actions are stronger than words. And right now, Barkley's the one scoring. So I think for now, if we're playing a team that's let's say ninth or below on the table. Yeah, why not give Barkley a run? Why not? Um, I think uh, Europa League by then, or yeah, by then we will be in the elimination rounds of Europa, and maybe Kovacic and his experience in, in, in European competition might be more important there. While, like you guys said, Barkley's only grown in the Premier League, so he knows that a, a rip from 23 yards out might be the only solution to getting past the Burnley defense. He's yeah. on form. Uh, obviously, we know... Sorry, loves him. Every teammate has kind of been speaking great about him. So uh, he is our player. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with investing in our own people. I just still think that Kovacic is a more well-rounded, overall better player. And, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Kovacic can put create 17 chances, but if only one is going in, yeah, it's, it's like you said, is it worth it at that point? So I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. A, a, a part of my – Support for Ross Barkley lies within my insecurity that we will not get Kovacic on a permanent basis. Um, but at the same time, I mean, from a business point of view, 15 million for Ross Barkley and Kovacic is here on loan. He's not here permanently. We know he's probably going to cost an arm and a leg somewhere between 65, 70 million pound range minimum. Why not keep playing Ross Barkley? I mean, just ride it out until until he until he gives us an absolute stinker. <laughs> ride it out because <laughs> because right now he looks like the only spark we have off the bench and and you have to reward the guy i mean there's no way I, you look at his last week i mean or his last two weeks you know he scored against southampton had an assist in that match as well went to england for international duty and i forget what go- i forget who scored the goal um against spain but he had this l- beautiful chipped ball over the top um it was sterling I think- yeah, I think he played it to Sterling, and Sterling squared it, right? Yep. Um, but that was just – I mean, he's capable of pulling something out of a hat and just creating that little bit of magic that we don't have right now. Um, so, you know, write it out, man. Maurizio sorry, pick Ross Barkley. How about, how about thoughts on uh, Kovacic playing winger? Is that is that even possible? Nah. No, I think I think Ross Barkley would make more sense playing out wide. Than, than than Kovacic. I mean, we we saw Conte do it wide. last year, but we've seen Conte do a lot of weird shit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's now that Hazard's out. I mean, if Hudson Odoi doesn't step up or it doesn't get selected, and Victor Moses is, you know, the usual suboptimal, you know, average be so Premier League player. You know, maybe maybe that is something we look at. Maybe we could play Ross Barkley out wide and in in. in similar hazard role where he does tuck in and almost plays like that four three one two formation yeah that's what i was gonna think too but uh last thought on barkley real quick i mean yes he was really close to the box but in that sort of situation with such such high pressure good for him for side netting that pass to hair like a lot of stuff is moving like props to the guy that's a great goal huge like we've said for team morale huge for him individually like that kind of goal uh is what kind of makes you you know, people are going to remember that goal like, oh, I was I watched the Ross Barkley 95th minute equalizer like that's a that's a cemented goal like that. That is an iconic moment in Ross Barkley's career already. Oh, I think that's the best moment in his career so far by mm-hmm. far. Yeah. So I think that about wraps up our uh, recap of the Man United match. So we're going to move on to the quick thoughts portion. Uh, I miss the, the rebranding of the name, but I, I love it because I thought that. The quick answer question Twitter section was not a good name. <laughs> well, you don't like better. the speed round slash Twitter uh. <laughs> question slash random Too many news. slashes. Too many slashes. <laughs> quick thoughts. I love it. All right. So first quick thought. Chelsea have officially cleared Mason Mount and uh, Fikayo Tomori to play against us uh, in the Carabao Cup tie against Dar- uh, Derby. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you guys to see them play? Uh, Zach, you want to go first? Yeah, Zach. <laughs> I mean, is there another answer? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I it, it's going to be really interesting to see Frank back at the bridge with a couple Chelsea boys on his team. I mean, that's I can't remember the last time someone you know with Frank Lampard's pedigree came back 
on the managing side of the game with a couple Chelsea kids on his side. So it's going to be interesting. I, I know this is supposed to be quick, but first of all, I want to say thank you, Chelsea board, for not being huge assholes. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for giving these chances to, ha- to these kids to have a tryout in front of Sorry, And thank you for not being scared that two of your academy products could come out and have a great game against you. We're Chelsea. We should get rid of Derby County anyway. But this is huge. I think this is a very, very, very important move for the youth academy overall. Just the fact that we're willing to let these things happen. Um, obviously, when it comes to the Premier League, I still think that's that rule is okay where they don't play against us. But in a comp competition, uh, this is this is great. This is great for Mount. This is great for uh, Tomori, and this is great for all the other youth players who are going to the championship, who think, "Oh, Chelsea doesn't get to to watch us. Why are we doing this?" So. Uh, I'm a huge fan of this move. I would love for Mount to score on Chelsea, but of course I want Chelsea to win at the end of it. And now we got our uh, our Dave question. It's a Twitter question from at OG Post Root. Uh, he asks, does Aspie deserve to start uh, to keep getting starts? Oh, sorry. Does Aspie deserve to keep starting? Uh, his is his dip in form all about adjustments to sorry ball or are we seeing age and amount of minutes getting the best of him uh andreas you want to go first yeah um i think sadly we don't have a good replacement right now uh we have our replacement in dujon sterling and reese james in the championship right now sadly Uh, i think both of those guys would be a huge and great fit for the team uh I do think a lot of the minutes he's played are is a factor. I don't think Aspie has had a break from football in forever. He played every single minute under Conte pretty much. He was playing every single minute under Mourinho. He essentially has made himself to previous managers irreplaceable. And I just think the, that the fact is the guy hasn't really taken a step back. And I'm sure that hurts him. But I don't think there's a solution in the team right now. So we're going to have to ride it out until the summer most likely. I don't think I don't think Aspie needs to be replaced. I still love the man to death. I think I think he's our best defender still. Um, you know, it, it drives me crazy to see a lot of people saying, "Oh, he needs to be replaced. He needs to leave. That's it. You know, he's done." Look, man, he's he switched back to the right hand side after playing center back for two years. He put on all that weight um, so he could deal with the physicality. Now he's playing back on the right, playing in a Premier League now that's a run and gun type of league. Um, it's very gung ho, isn't it? Uh, he's always chasing after a, a pacey winger. Very rarely he gets he gets a break. So I think I think the only solution for Aspie to improve his form would be for the club to bring someone else, not as a replacement, but as competition. Because a lot of times when you see like an injection of a of a new player in a squad and in training sessions, they often get more intense because now oh shit, my position's under. You know, my position's up up for grabs now, so I got to yeah. step my game up. Um, and, and we did see it a little bit with Marcus Alonso when 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 uh, Emerson came in. You know, a lot of there was a lot of hype around Emerson when he came in from Roma, and Marcus Alonso elevated his game to a new level. And look where he is now; he's the best left back in the league. So, and a year um, before that, we brought Nathan Ake back in January, and then Nathan Ake didn't get a single game and got shipped right back to Bournemouth. I mean, yeah. healthy competition is only a good thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that that's where I stand on it. I love Aspie. I don't I don't want him to go anywhere. I think he's the best right back we have in the squad, and he's arguably one of the best right backs in the Premier League. So the, there's just no need to replace him. I mean, who are you going to get that's better than him when you really think about it? Who's on the market that's better than Aspilicueta? Next summer, next summer, Hizaj maybe. There's There's been all the stories now from his agent, and I think his father saying, you know, Napoli blocked the move. We were ready to follow Sarri. Um, yeah. But even then, like I said, I you never know. That guy's never played in the Premier League. It's we'll see. I agree that I don't think Aspie should be replaced at this point. Um, not everyone adjusts as quickly as other people. I I mean, it's he still hasn't been directly the result. Like he may look like he's getting uh, burned and things like that. But to this point, he's still not directly responsible for a single goal that's been scored on Chelsea this season. So I, I mean, the first half of the Man United game, and Martial really didn't do anything, did he? Yeah. I mean, wh- wh- where's the SP haters there? You know, the second half, obviously, United turned it on, but they're a team that kind of thrives in chaos. So yeah. you, know, you can't really blame Aspie for that. I don't know. 
Oh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's get to the next point. Next quick thought. Um, William speaking on his uh, Hazard. Sometimes he can't score, or make an assist. That's why we need the whole team. Sometimes he tries and it doesn't work. The other players have to work together to try and do something with each other. Will teams look to target him? Yes, of course. When a game is like that, they look at him. But it means others can find more space. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, Zach, I'm asking you, was this a sly dig or more of a battle cry from an experienced player? I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of both. But I just think the uh, the odd... <laughs> The odd thing about this is that isn't Willian the guy that's supposed to step up? I mean, yeah, this sounds a little hypocritical to me. Yeah, I, 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 we, we just talked about it. 49 club goals and, you know, 12 years of service. Uh, it's just maybe you need to step your game up, bud. Maybe you need to give us a little bit more on the ball. I don't hate Willian at all. I actually love him. I'm one of the few that love him. But, I mean, yeah, just pick your game up first and then you could make a comment like this. All right. Uh, next, next quick thought is actually a kind of a personal question from at Ari Ari Elias thirteen. I'll start off with you, Andreas. Do you have any pregame rituals? Um, I don't have an exact pregame ritual, but I do have a pre penalty kick ritual, and this has gone back since I was like nine years old. <laughs> um, get the referee hands you the ball. And the first thing I do, walk up to the penalty spot, and instead of putting the ball down while facing the keeper, I turn my back to the keeper, let him know who's about to score on him by showing him my number. So he gets to look at that number 14 staring at him for a couple seconds, put down the ball, go back to take the penalty. So that's kind of like the one thing that I've done every single time is just my own way of saying, hey, remember this number is about to just put one past you. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily have a pregame ritual because most of the kickoffs are really early in the morning. So it's like, like for example, last weekend was 4:30 a.m. Uh, over here in LA, and I set my phone alarm to 4:27 a.m. So I could wake <laughs> up approximately three minutes, wash my face, walk out to the living room, and watch the game. I guess my ritual is that I watch the game in the living room. Though I have a TV in my room, I know I could just wake up, roll over, and watch the game in there. But I have to be in my living room in a very specific seat right at the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, the same there. seat I was sitting in that Som knows that seat very well. Cause I was sitting in that same exact seat when we won the champions there. league final. <laughs> he does yeah. not let me sit there. <laughs> no. the, the champions league final. I was in that seat, same couch even. And uh, yeah, I, I mean that that's where I have to watch Chelsea play. If I, if I watch them play anywhere else, we usually lose. So yeah, I didn't I realize we we're talking about like in. pre watching a game ritual. I guess mine is if I'm, <laughs> I have oh, a, that first one wasn't for uh, watching Chelsea games. Yeah, I, I didn't. <laughs> think, it counts as a I ritual. Didn't the question, yeah. Um, in terms of game watching, uh, you know, I do have two hours on you guys being on Central Time, so sometimes my game Lucky won't start till nine thirty or eleven. Sometimes, so I do play early mornings on Saturday. I'm, I might be coaching soccer or doing something like that. So on my way home, I'll play blue as the color uh, on uh, green. There you go. For uh, probably two, three times. <laughs> And I'm just like screaming in the car by myself like an idiot. But yeah, I get pretty hyped up before the games by playing Blue is a Color at least twice. I'm sure uh, I'm sure everybody in Texas is very familiar with the song Blue is a Color, right? I mean, if my windows are down, <laughs> I'm sure I look like a maniac. <laughs> All right, so that does it for our quick thoughts segment. Uh, we're going to move into the match previews. Uh, we got two matches upcoming this week. First one, Europa... Um, Against Bate Borisov, a.k.a. the Giants of Belarus. Uh, I think that's what they're called, at least. I don't know why they wouldn't be called that. I think they might be the only footballing team in Belarus. (laughs) So, yeah, they are the Giants, (laughs) for sure. So, they're coming down to the bridge on Thursday for, for, of course, Europa League match. Um, Their previous matches, they lost to PAOK 4-1. And um, they also beat VD um, 2-0 in their first match. So, um, I think... uh, we're going to most likely see a similar side that face VD. Um, sorry, it's probably going to field a, a very similar 11. Um, so I don't know. Do you guys have anything you want to say about this match? Do you know anything about Bate Borisov that you guys want to mention or have any bold predictions or anything like that? Um, I don't really know much. I know that they've made it to Champions League here and there in the last few years and then obviously stormed out of it. But uh, 
Like you said, I think we'll see a similar 11 to what we saw before. Loftus-Cheek is healthy again. Um, I actually think Kovacic will play over Barkley, just because we mentioned Barkley's probably more suited to play Burnley. And then uh, my bold prediction is that Emerson will get an assist. Ooh, I like that one. I'm going to go Chelsea 2-0. I think Loftus-Cheek gets his goal because he should have had it against VD, but uh, missed out on two clear penalty oppor- uh, two clear penalty shouts. And I- I'm going to say Hudson-Odoi finally gets a look in. Damn, that finally. is so bold. That that, is- that's the boldest prediction of the season so far. It's so unfortunate how that has to be such a bold prediction. I'm, I'm, I'm I was gonna make the same one, and I just, just want to mention really, it is. really quick. I, 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 I have a career mode on FIFA with Ipswich Town, right? Because, uh, <laughs> because Trevor Chaloba's on that team, and uh, I actually bought Callum Hudson Odoi. He's an 87 overall. He's still 19. Wow. So, Maurizio, Christ. sorry, Wake what up. are you doing? Wake up, guys. He's obviously not playing FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I really think Hudson Odo will get a look, especially with Hazard having like some back pain. So he needs to make the bench. And again, I really do not want to see Victor Moses. I, I'm done with that guy. I, I yeah. thanks for being a great wing back under Conte. It's done. I yeah. the future is now for this kid. Let's especially with now Borussia Dortmund knocking on the door for for Hudson Odo. Let's show the kid that we actually plan on using him now right. before he leaves. Yeah, go after Phil Foden instead. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's uh let's jump into the the league match against Burnley at the Turf Moor against Burnley, uh, sitting thirteenth at the table right now uh, with eight points, a minus seven goal differential. Last week they uh, lost to City five nil. Um, they've been pretty pretty awful this season, um, which was the complete opposite of what happened last year. They had a really hot start. Um, so Zach, I'll start with you. Actually, what are some things that we should look out for this match. Um, I mean, I, I guess the obvious one is who's going to step up, mm-hmm. who's going to be that guy to come in and 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 take responsibility and 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 take the game to Burnley because, um, we know they're going to sit behind the ball and make it really difficult to score. So who's going to be that creative outlet? I think that's going to be the main talking point going into the match. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how we break down that defense. I think. This is going to be one of those kind of like West Ham match where we'll probably break some sort of record in terms of how many passes we had. But I expect Alonzo and, and Aspie to be extremely high up the pitch. And yeah, let's see who's going to be the one to kind of open the floodgates because all it takes is like we saw with City, one goal against Burnley to kind of break down their their plan for the game and, and kind of keep them coming. So hopefully an early goal happens and, and we can – avoid a frustrating game similar to West Ham. Yeah, see, because my, my issue is obviously Hazard not going to be there. He's hurt. Um, where are our goals going to come from? I mean, obviously, Ross Barkley needs to start because uh, he's our only goal-scoring option at this point. Um, but, I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, or is, is what I'm saying a fact? Is Ross Barkley going to start? And what do you guys think, Zach? I think he has to. Or, yeah. Andreas, you go first. Yeah, I think I think he has to. Um, I think this game, sh- if we do things right, should look similar to Cardiff. Uh, you have to have Giroud up top in this game. There's not going to be any space to run in behind. So the way I see it, uh, Hazard, Pedro, in this case, we're saying Barkley. They need to be playing Bingos with uh, Giroud to get that space pass. in behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the guy is amazing at those. There's a reason why he's got four assists. And it's tied for second most in the league already. I think he can come out with a couple if if the game plan is to do that. I think that's going to be the best way to break them down because we all know crosses are not Chelsea's strength. So, what are you? Uh, what what's your prediction? I still think we can get. I think we bounce back. I think we can go three nil. If again, if we play that way, if we're going to be trying to to play isolation ball, it's 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 going to never. It's going to be a one nil at best. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go two one Chelsea. I think Ross Barkley starts and gets a goal and an assist. Oof, that's one of, go- oh my one of those God, is gonna Zach. come from a set piece. One of them is gonna come Zach, from a set piece. You are spoiling me, man. Come on, these <laughs> takes are getting me Enjoy all giddy, man. Less. I know it's probably it's, it'll probably go away after a, a probably a bad start from him next week, but. Uh, wait, wait for Loftus Cheek to bang in his hat trick against Bate Borisov. Oh yeah, then you'll oh be you'll God, be switching back. You'll <laughs> be switching back sides again. Uh, if, 
If you tell me that all of our academy players that step on the pitch against Bate get a goal and an assist, <laughs> I I will lose my mind. That would all be two like of them. <laughs> that would have been a that would have that would have been a bold prediction, a great bold prediction. Yeah, man, that Sam, would that would make you, my day. Sam, what do you think about Burnley? <laughs> what do I think about them? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're definitely not the same club from last season. Um, it was a shock last season how well they they were playing, and it's kind of a shock this season how bad they're playing. Kind of the the opposite. Well, they didn't really. Line. They didn't add anybody in the transfer window. It was weird. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, but. So, yeah, it's not, nothing to add on from what happened could, last year, and just you could only you could only go so far with Sam Vokes. Yeah, I mean the whole uh, thing. They qualified for Europe. You would think you know that would bring a boost or you know get some people interested. But yeah, they they just the fact what did they hard- do? We qualify for Europa League. Bring in Joe Hart, baby. <laughs> yeah, and Tarkowski's leading them in goals with who's a center back with two goals. Like yeah, it's, nice. it's not looking good for them. I know. They overperformed in every category last season, and I just thought that magic was going to move into this season. But yeah, they're yeah. But speaking just, about just quickly about the center back being their leading goal scorer, that's going to be the one one point we got to watch out for their set pieces because they are they're they are be, a lot bigger yeah. than us. They're so. huge, huge. They're they're probably one of the more massive teams in the league just physically. I mean, everybody on the field is probably going to be over six foot, unless yeah. like Aaron Lennon gets a run out or something like that. I still have nightmares from the season opener from last year. So yeah, let's oh, let's just God. let's just put multiple in multiple goals in there. Let's just and uh and we'll end the podcast there because I really don't want to think about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that, that that brings us to the end of our episode. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. You could also email us RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. Let us know what you guys think. A lot of interaction this week was actually the most Twitter questions we've ever got. I didn't Ooh. even I don't even think I fit all of them onto the script so for those of you that i left out i'm sorry keep interacting with us i promise we'll get you guys on eventually um but other than that we'll see you guys next week and uh hopefully three points in both the europa league and uh the premier league so until next time keep the blue flag flying high